Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for that. My name's Ryan. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Um, I am not a pastor here. I go here. I'm a, uh, we're members here. We've been here for a long time, and I uh, love to speak when I get a chance. So Moses and JD reached out to me a little while ago. They said, we'd love for you to do a, a two-part deal, and you can choose a book of the Bible or a character from the Bible and talk about for two weeks. So I'm going to be speaking today and next week about my favorite character from the Bible, other than Jesus, that is John the Baptist. Um, and so that's what we're talking about today and next week. Um, little, little just kind of intro on why I picked John the Baptist, why we love him is our family. So our oldest son is named John. We named him after this person that we're going to be talking about today. Um, John the Baptist is an amazing character, and he, is, he shows up before Jesus in a couple of the different Gospels. He's in all four of them, and he's in there heavily. He plays this significant role in setting up and making a way for Jesus in his ministry. He's one of the only New Testament people who's prophesied about in the Old Testament, other than Jesus. He's literally in the Old Testament. They're describing this guy who's going to come and do this particular thing. That is the role that John the Baptist plays. He is um, just wildly interesting as you read the Gospels. And so we're going to talk about him the next two weeks. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going talking about John the Baptist. Jesus, we welcome you today. We just say, come, Lord, speak to us. Open our hearts, God. We want to see you. We want to see your kingdom and what you're doing in our life and the lives around us, Jesus. We want to be a part of what you're doing. I just pray today as we come on this Sunday to worship you, that you would equip us. Give us the stuff, the tools, the vision that we need to go out into the world and serve you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick story. When I was 20 years old, I packed up with a group of other college students, and we went to Turkey, the nation of Turkey. We were actually invited there. It was an unbelievable circumstance. Um, the local, this was a, a town on the t- a coast of Turkey, a big kind of European vacation spot. Lots of Europeans would come there and vacation, hang out. Uh, so it was kind of a beach town, and all these Turks would work in the shops, and it was good seasonal work. Uh, most of them spoke English. But the, the local mayor said, we've got all these Europeans coming in. And, you know, in Turkey, there's lots of mosques, but there's not very many churches. And so we, they invited some Americans to come over and just start a church for the Europeans. What? Right? This is crazy. Anyone who's traveled that part of the world knows this is very unusual, right? Um, but he said, well, these Europeans are coming here for vacation, and there's no church on Sunday. So you guys start a church. And, you know, we were like, yeah, we'll focus on the Europeans, dog, right? But really, we were like, man, we can, here's the opportunity, we have, we're there for a month. We have all day just walking around meeting people. And all of these Turks speak English because they live in this town where all these Europeans come in and, and, and travel. And so all of them speak English. So we're just, the, and they tell us, the, the people who set the whole thing up, they say, look, man, you're here. You've got, the, you've got full reign, which is very unusual in a place like that. They said, we want you to just go around, talk to people. Here's the thing going on, though. These Turks, they meet lots of Europeans. They meet lots of white people. Some of them are kind of professing believers, but all of those people treat them like the guy who works in the shop. They treat them like waiters, right? And so it's all very transactional. If you can just go into these places and sit down with them 
and hear their story and make friends and treat them like real people and talk to them, they will want to hear your story. They'll want to hear about Jesus. Um, and that was absolutely the case. And so it was very relational, very genuine. That We weren't trying to come in there and do some crusade. We were coming in and saying, hey, tell me about you. Tell me about your family. We'd get to meet their family. Turks are extremely hospitable. And so they would love it. If you would come on in, take, they'd take you to the back of the shop and put some tea together and serve you and say, you know, sit down. They want to tell their story. And you could just talk for hours and hours. And so we spent a month, um, this group of college students, and we're just in and out of all these places. We go back to the same restaurants every day, and we're just talking to these Turks, getting to know them, becoming great friends. It was an awesome month of my life. Near the end of this trip, the Turks are like, we want to play soccer together. They love soccer. We're like, let's play soccer together. So it's like six of us, the guys on our team, and six Turks go and play. And they're like, hey, let's do it. It'd be fun to do Turks versus Americans. Yeah, exactly. We thought, man, these guys are going to destroy us because they play soccer. We don't really play soccer. But there was like, you know, we were in our 20s and we were just in good shape and college kids. And so uh, we started playing the game and we actually were doing really, really, really well, like a little too well. Like we, we score our first goal and we're like, oh my gosh, we scored and we're so excited. We're like cheering and, you know, and then we, we score again and we're excited. And then by the time we scored like the fourth or fifth time, it was like 5-1, uh, our team leader comes over to us and he's like, hey guys, I think, I think we're doing a little too good. I think it's starting to get a little intense because the Turks were not liking it, right? They were getting, you know, a little irritated, and they're competitive. They want to win, too. And he comes over there and he says, hey, guys, hey, hey, I think we're doing a little too good. And we're like, well, we want to play. We want to have fun. He's like, hey, remember why we're here? Do you remember why we're here? Have you ever forgotten why you're somewhere? Have you ever, has anyone ever, here's a, here's a test. Have you ever come home from the grocery store with multiple cartons of Bluebell, and your wife says, did you get the laundry detergent that I sent you for? Has anyone ever been in that spot? A lot of times we forget the mission, right? A lot of times we go out with great intentions. We go out with this awesome thing, and then we get there, and for whatever reason, it's hard to remember why we're here in the first place. This is the cool thing about John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist, his life is set up in a way that's, that's unlike almost any other, okay? And as you can read about his story in Luke 1, it's awesome his parents love the Lord. They're these godly people, but they're barren. His wife's barren. The uh, mother is barren. She doesn't have, she's never had any kids. An angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and he says, your wife's going to be pregnant. And this kid is going to be special. He's going to be a blessing to the world. People will come back to the Lord. They'll repent of their sins because of this child. And Zechariah is skeptical. He says, I don't know about that. Zechariah is mute. He doesn't speak. He's unable to speak for the whole pregnancy. The angel says, because you're not believing, you're going to lose your voice. You're not going to be able to speak until this baby's born. He comes back home. He was out doing ministry. He comes back home, and his wife is pregnant. And they're, they're in awe of it, right? The baby is born, and the, the Elizabeth, the mother who had also been visited by an angel, says, the boy's name is John. John means God is gracious. She says, the boy's name is John. And everyone says, that's not a name in your family. You shouldn't do that. You should name some after someone in your family. Zechariah can't speak, so he writes down, the boy's name is John. He confirms it, and then his mouth is opened. And everybody's in awe of this whole situation. They knew the couple, the godly couple. This woman was barren late on in life. She was older. And they said, how is she having this baby? And then these miracles are happening. The father's muted. He speaks. They're naming this baby something different. And they say about John, they say, what is going to become of this man? He's so, something is on his life. What's going to happen here? This, this 
child is blessed. This child is special. So that's how John's life starts, okay? He's got a mission. He's got something significant, right, that God's calling him to. Um, but it's key to remember the mission, right? So he's got this miracle birth. He goes from there. The next we hear about John, he's out living and preaching in the wilderness. And all these people are asking, what are you doing? You're, you know, and they knew his story. This was a, the guy, that story, a crazy birth story. What are you doing out here? And he would quote, this is in, in the book of John, in all four gospels, it talks about this, but he would say, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And he's quoting Isaiah. We talked earlier, this is an Old Testament prophecy about this man who would come. He says, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. That's my mission. That's what I'm here for. He'd quote Isaiah, and he would say, this is exactly what I'm here for. But as he preached, as he talked, and it said, you know, people would come. It was a kind of far off way. The wilderness, obviously, is inconvenient to get to. People would come out there. And it said many people would come, and what he was doing was he was preaching a simple message. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not here yet, but it's coming. Repent and be baptized. And that was a pretty simple message, and people were flocking to that. They wanted that, right? They said, man, there's something here. This guy's doing something unusual, and he was an unusual guy. But the message is not about himself. The message is, as he's doing that, he's saying, repent, be baptized. And, and people said, so who are you? are you? Are you Jesus? Are you? He'd say, no, no, no. I'm the guy who's preparing the way. And then he'd say this. And we've got this actually on the screen. Matthew 3, 11. Can we pull that up? He'd say, I baptize you with water for repentance. Okay, this is John's calling. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that's significant for a lot of reasons, so we're going to go into it. John is here out in the wilderness. He's got people coming to him, okay? If you just kind of, just how's John doing ministry-wise? He's doing really well, okay? Have you ever tried to do anything, go out somewhere and start something? John's doing really well. He's got people flocking to him. There's religious leaders coming, all kinds of people coming. They're getting baptized. They're responding to his message. And in the midst of it, John's saying, and he says it over and over again, I'm doing this. I'm baptizing you with water, but there's someone coming who is better. There's someone coming who is greater, it's not about me, right? And John remembers, his mission is prepare the way for the Lord. It's not to start a movement. It's not to be famous and be successful. It's to prepare the way for the Lord. And so he doesn't even know who that is at this point. He's just saying, I know there's one. I've read the, the scriptures, and I know there's one who comes after. There's me. Here's my role. But there's one who comes after. And so he's not talking about himself. He's not preaching the gospel of John. He's talking about this one who comes after, even as it's a mystery. Remember the mission. Remember what I'm here for. Remember what to do. And when we think about that in our, in our own lives, this comes up all the time, where it's so easy to forget about Jesus, right? It's easy to be doing even good things. He's doing, I mean, gosh, he's baptizing people and preaching repentance, but he doesn't forget about, this isn't for me, this isn't my, I'm not the hero here. I'm doing this little thing, but there's one who's coming after who's going to do a great thing. And I think about, so much I think about parenting. And we are raising two wild animals in our household. And my poor wife has to dress these wild animals up like humans 
and parade them out into civilization. And it is, it is hard, man. It's hard. But in that, one of the things that's so hard not to do is to make it about yourself. Right? It's so hard not to say, I know best. Here, do what I say. Do what I... But to, to teach them, and every night we're trying to do it, and all throughout the day, telling them stories about the one who shows us right from wrong. And not just memorizing our list of what's right and what's wrong, but showing them Jesus, the reason we care about being nice to others, the reason we care about not retaliating, not punching your brother. We're on the basics, man. It's basics. Walker household is at level one. Um, The reason that matters is not just because I said so, right? And it's so easy as a parent to be like, I said so. Just stop hitting him. It doesn't work. But to show him, hey, we follow God. And there's someone greater than mommy that's greater than daddy who loves you more than we do, who loves you better than we do. And this is how they say to live our lives. And so we want to model that, right? We want to show them that. But we, it's not enough to model. We have to point. And we have to say, Jesus is the reason we're doing this. The reason we want you to be like this is, for, is we want to serve the Lord. We want to make him famous, right? And, and it's so awesome that John, who's in this place of influence, just like a parent, you have so much influence, especially with a small child, where they just think, mommy and daddy know everything. I know that changes. We're buckled up for that, okay? Um, but that, this level of influence where we could do anything, but it's trying to point to it's Jesus. It's someone else over there. That's the reason or that's the reason mommy and daddy love you. We love you because we know you're made in the image of Jesus. And we love you exactly like you are. Trying to impart those messages over and over again. And John is in this position where he's out in the wilderness. He's got so much influence. And he could preach or say anything. And lots of people would respond. Because he's got this place of influence. But he's pointing to the one. He doesn't try to establish himself. He points to God. He remembers his mission. You also notice as you read through this, and I've read through the, the John the Baptist story in all four Gospels lots over the last couple of weeks. He's not ever building the kingdom of John. And, and it's so easy to do that, right? It's so easy to look out and say, well, here's my calling. How can I make my calling as important as possible? The calling's important because Jesus is important, right? The calling's, if, if there's a calling that's there, it's already significant. And you don't have to make it any more significant. John makes no attempt to do that, right? He's out there with where it says he's wearing camel hair. He's got eaten locusts. He's out in the wilderness. He, is, he doesn't care what anyone thinks. He knows it's important because God said to do it, right? And he reads the scriptures and he says, this is significant. I'm preparing the way for the one. I don't have to make myself famous, um, and that shows up again and again. You, you know, we talked about these people coming out there. The Pharisees, it says, these powerful religious leaders, we think of them as, as just purely the bad guys. They do some stuff later where they kind of move into that category. At this point, John's seeing the religious leaders come out there. He knows some stuff about what's going on, but he sees all these people coming. The religious leaders come out, and this is an opportunity to maybe grow some influence, maybe make some allies here. Here's John's ally-making strategy. You want to hear it? You brood of vipers. Who told you to repent? And he starts just laying into them and talking about, I'm here baptizing people in repentance. And people say, well, what does that mean to repent? And he starts telling them. 
He says, if you have two tunics, give one to your, your brother. Right? If you have more than you need, give it to someone else. If you're a tax collector, don't collect more than you need. And he starts telling everybody, this is the way of the Lord. And he's unapologetic in the face of these people who are extremely powerful and not that teachable. If you read about the Pharisees, they're not really looking for advice from a guy eating locusts. That's not what they came for. But he just comes out and says, you brood of vipers. He has no intention at any point of becoming the most famous guy in Israel. That's, that's not on his grid. He's here to prepare the way for the Lord. And can I just take a moment and say how much I love coming to a church where J.D. and Liz, every time I interact with them, everything they talk about, there's nothing in there about the Griffins becoming a big deal. There's, there's no ambition there. We went to this meeting, I was last week, week before, they're talking about this building the house. Here's a free plug. Build the house. And they're saying, hey, we're wanting to raise money because we feel like God's given us this vision to do these specific events that we feel like are going to have an impact in the city. People are going to come. We think people can come and follow Jesus. And it's just compelling. I'm sitting there going, man, this is awesome. I love going to a church where the leader is concerned about God's kingdom growing about God touching people and the mission being accomplished. He's remembering the mission. This is not about Antioch Austin becoming the greatest deal ever. This is about Jesus becoming famous. And if you interact with them, I, mean, I think it comes out on the stage. If you interact with them at any point, you'll notice their passion, what drives them, what causes them to do things they do and make the sacrifices they make is they want Jesus to be famous. I want that. I want that in my life. I want that everybody I interact with. I want us to have a collective passion and burning desire for Jesus to be made famous. And if my role in that is big or it's small, I want to be excited about what's happening, not about my role, right? And John has an excitement. His excitement is so great that one day, guess what? Jesus shows up. People are coming out and getting baptized, and who should show up but Jesus, and, and John sees him and says, well, why am I baptizing you? It should be the other way around. Jesus says, we have to do this. This is what we're going to do. John baptizes him, and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Okay, so think about, remember the mission, right? What John's here to do is prepare the way for the Lord. This is not just another day of ministry, and this is not like, man, people are going to hear about this, and tomorrow is going to be even twice as big, Right? He's going, everything stops. Everything is different now. This man is the one. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus comes back the next day. He shouts out. John's got two of his own disciples. And he shouts out. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the one. I've been talking. You guys have heard me talking about I'm just doing the water thing. This guy's coming. Fire. The Holy Spirit. That's him. Behold, the Lamb of God. This other guy passing by. And it says, here's what's crazy. John's two disciples who are standing there, without a word, turn and walk away and follow Jesus. They're not like, hey, John, man, we think like strategically, you know, the ministry's in a good spot. Um, we got some interns and they're going to, no, no, no. They just walk, man. Because they've been sitting under John and John's been saying, this man is everything. I am nothing. This, all this stuff we're doing, the whole baptism deal and the ministry, everything we've been doing is for this. It's to prepare the way for him. And now he's here, right? And so the, the disciples get it. They get it immediately. They're like, all right, well, it's on. And they turn and start following Jesus. And Jesus is like, what? what's going on? 
And they're like, we want to follow you. He says, all right, come on, let's, let's take off. It could have easily been, hey, I'm the one who spotted him. Don't you want to still work with me? We might do something cool later. John could have recruited him, said, hey, 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 guys, it's kind of, you know, the, we have plenty of locusts. Come back. <laughs> There's a strong pitch there. Uh, but he doesn't. It's like, go. Behold the Lamb of God. Some people come to John and say, because then Jesus and these new disciples he just got, start, they start baptizing people. And so they're on the Jordan River and they're baptizing people and John's still baptizing people. He's still called to do what he's doing. And someone comes up and he's like, do you see what's going on? That guy came in. He's doing what you're doing. He's doing your baptizing thing. He's got your disciples. Aren't you irritated with that? And John's response is so predictable. He says, the Father has given him this. So what, no one has anything but what God has given him. God's doing something here. And I've been telling you forever, this is the guy. This is the reason I've been doing this. And he says really clearly, he must become greater. I must become less. It's so relevant in John's ministry, but it's relevant for all of us, right? Where at the end of the day, whatever's going on, whatever Jesus is doing, and it goes in that order, right? It's not about putting ourselves down. It's he must become greater in every area where God's given me influence. That's my prayer. He must become greater. I must become less. Anything that I would bring to it that's of myself, that's not what God's doing, it needs to diminish. It needs to set into the background because God needs to be in the forefront. God needs to be famous. John, and, and just think back, right, who we're talking about. This is John the Baptist who's got this from birth prophecy. You want to talk about someone who grew up thinking they were special. John the Baptist, right? Like, imagine if that was your story and your dad was mute for nine months and then wrote down your name and started speaking. And angels had visited both of your parents to talk about you coming in this mission and you start reading the Old Testament, you're like, that sounds like me. I think you would feel a little entitled. I think you'd have some grounds to feel a little entitled. But he took the mission seriously because the mission is critical. The calling didn't mean I'm special. The calling meant this mission is critical. The calling doesn't exist for me. It exists for God's purposes, right? And so whatever it is that God's calling us to, it doesn't make us more special that we're called to it. It gives us insight into how important this is that God's calling someone to it. Right? If this wasn't important, if this wasn't an important part of Jesus and the unfolding of the kingdom, God wouldn't have called someone to it. God did so because it's important, because this matters to God. And John got that. It wasn't about me being special. It was about God has something to do here. We're going to talk more next week about the latter half of John's ministry. doesn't go well if you've read ahead. Um, but I want to say something really clearly here that I think could be confused. Because if you look at this kind of from, if you just take, take a step back and look at John's ministry. Uh, so Jesus starts doing well and John goes to prison. We'll talk more about what happens in prison. Doesn't, doesn't go great. But John goes to prison. He comes and gets arrested. He speaks the truth to the king, and he comes and gets, he gets arrested. He goes to jail, and Jesus goes off, and now the miracles are happening, and it's a party time, and they're feeding 10,000 people, all crazy stuff, right? But John's in prison for that part. 
So if you step back and look at John's ministry, it's like, okay, here's this guy, cool beginning, like, wow, kind of chooses some interesting clothes, interesting venues, wearing camel hair out in the desert, has a little kind of flash in the pan of like, man, this thing's really taking off. People are showing up, they're getting baptized. And then this other guy comes in, takes all the disciples, takes the crowds, and it's kind of, that's the end of John's road. It could be easy to look at that, and we've probably looked at situations in our own lives through this lens of like our own fame, maybe, or our own kind of earthly success, and it just looks like John is just doing this. The whole trajectory is just, it's not good. Starts off with really promising, and then, man, kind of interesting potential here, and then just tanks. But if you look at it from the perspective of what was the mission, the mission was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so if that's your mission, it's like he couldn't have possibly done better. There's no reason for John to be out there doing more stuff. That was the purpose, was for that moment for Jesus to come and God to speak and John to say, behold the Lamb of God. And all these people who took John seriously and understood he was a prophet were able to go, oh, this is it, right? This is the guy I should be following. And so when you, when you remember the mission, when you understand it, you, you got this situation where this guy's life goes from kind of a miss, right? He just kind of didn't get it and could have been cool, but nothing really came of it to total raving success. A lot of us judge our lives. We judge how things are going the wrong way. Instead of going, what was God's purpose? Is God's purpose moving forward? We look about what's in it for us, Right? And we go, man, I'm eating locusts again. This cannot be good, right? What did I miss? I tried to start this thing. I tried to do this thing, and it didn't materialize the way I thought it would. Right? Well, what, what was God's purpose? What's God's trying to accomplish? And sometimes God's trying to accomplish something in us. And sometimes God's trying to accomplish something through us that's a little less glorious than we might hope it is. Amen? Nobody's excited about that. I'm telling you, okay? Sometimes what God's trying to accomplish through us is just a little less glorious than we hope it is. That doesn't make it less. If God thought it was worth doing and God thought it was worth calling you to, then it mattered. Right? And the next thing that God calls you to, instead of being fearful of how that's going to turn out and is that going to play out, you go, this matters to God. And I don't know the outcome. I don't know where this is headed. But if I'm faithful, if I give myself to Jesus and make it about Him, this thing's going to be a success. It might not look like a success out here, but that's not what I'm going for, right? I'm going for mission accomplished. God, mission accomplished. God has, and now I'm getting, now we're going way down. We're talking about this week. We're talking about the next seven days of your life. God has prepared good works in advance for all of us. Amen? And that, that's not just like someday. That's, I believe that's every day, right? I wake up tomorrow morning, God's got stuff ready for me to go do. God's got stuff ready for me to come in and encourage somebody and pray for something and come alongside somebody who's having a hard time and just put my arm around them and go, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, brother. God has good works prepared in advance for all of us to do. A lot of times what the problem is, we don't remember the mission. 
right? We've got, we've got sidetracked with everything else going on, and we forget the mission is make God famous. The mission is make disciples, make God famous. And so how do we do that? How do we keep God up in front of us? So I've got a prayer that I did not write. A guy named St. Patrick wrote. This is called, you can Google it. It's longer. I'm going to say a, a section of it. I'm going to pray it over us. This is called St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. And it is, you know, Paul talks about the armor of God, equipping yourself with the armor of God. And one of those things is the, the breastplate of righteousness. St. Patrick has this prayer that he wrote that uh, for a, a long season of my life, I would every day I would wake up and I would pray this. And it's so powerful. I'm going to read part of it to you. I'm going to pray it over us. But I would encourage you, Google it, look it up, copy it, put it somewhere. This is a way, when we talk about remembering the mission, having your eyes on what is God doing around me, how can I jump into God's purpose, this is something I found really helpful. So I'm going to pray this, and then we're going to do a little ministry time. We have some people, if you want prayer for, for something else or for this, we're going to have that. But here's what I want you all to do right now. Just close your eyes. Just open your hands like you're going to receive something because you are. You're going to receive God's blessing. You're going to receive vision for how to see him, how to walk with him. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to pray this very slowly. So just hear it. Let God put it in your heart. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me. Christ in the ears of everyone who hears me. 